Koshian Cast, where we pretend to record outside, but we actually live inside a giant dome. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. <laughs> that was that was a pretty good reference. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for everyone who's who's keeping up to date with Clean Freak Oyamakun. I do actually. I am almost outside. I have the window open next to me. Well, you may as well be out in the forest, then. Yeah, there's some bugs doing some bug chirps and whatnot. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty uh, pretty natural environs. Um, Naturally. So, yeah. um, speaking of natural, uh, it's the ninth week of the summer season covering all sports anime from August 27th to September 2nd. Yeah, it sure is. It's naturally that. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any natural questions, Matt? <laughs> Naturally, I do. Um, let, let's stop making that joke, by the way, after this. Um, <laughs> yes, so uh, we got a question from uh, Matt Ely, who wrote in from Iowa, and <laughs> oh, is wow. me. Um, and, I, uh, and my question is, Matt, uh, when was the last time that you watched uh, a sporting event in person? Oh, wow. Uh, I actually believe that was to my trip to Japan. Mm. Uh, when I went to... Ag- I actually went to Koshian Stadium to watch a, uh, a baseball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of, that was an interesting experience. Was it, uh, it was a pro baseball game? Yeah, it was a pro baseball game. Uh, I forget who was playing. I think it was the Tigers. Well, I mean, and... yeah, so that's the Hanshin Tigers home stadium. So Right. Uh, so yeah, I think we were watching the Tigers. I don't, it wasn't the Giants, because I know the Giants are kind of the big rival, because they are the other major team in Japan, Uh but it was a smaller game. Uh, I I think what struck me about it more than anything was that of how fast it went. Uh, like, so... In the U.S., we have a lot of pauses, like in between, like in the middle of innings, so that you know players can kind of talk things out, or yeah. you know, so the announcers can catch up to it. Uh, Japan uh, innings take five minutes. Mm. Like they, like they just breeze through it. They get through the pitches, they move on to the next one, and it was like, man, if U.S. sporting events were like more like this, I would probably watch more. To be honest, because it was very refreshing. I didn't stick around for the entire game because I was still jet lagged and I was fighting a terrible cold at that time. Uh, so we kind of, uh, me and my friend, we left it around uh, like I think the sixth inning. I'm glad we did though because apparently now the other thing with Japanese games because they move so fast, uh, they have no qualms with going into like super overtime. Uh, we had uh, heard the like. We had heard the result of the game. It went into, into 23 innings. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're kind of glad we didn't stick around. Well, yeah, I uh, don't imagine a ton of people stayed for all 23 anyway, but... Most likely, yeah. But uh, what was what was the last sporting event you went to? Well, yesterday, I went Uh-oh. to... <laughs> I drove to Chicago and back in one day with one of my friends from Des Moines, and uh, I saw a Chicago Cubs game. Um... And kind of like what you said, the game was over four hours, but that was largely because the Cubs won fourteen to twelve. So oh wow, took a long took a long time to get through all that. Uh, but it was a good game. It was fun. It was really weird. Um, but yeah, ten hours plus of driving was a lot to do uh, in right. one day. Um, but anyway, cool. Uh, so speaking of sports, literal transition. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of Welcome to the Ballroom this week? 
Um, not a whole lot. Uh, so it was episode nine. Uh, this was effectively covering uh, Tadara's and Mako's uh, dance during the uh, during the finals of the match. It got switched out from being a quick step into the waltz thanks to uh, Marissa. Uh, and then the rest of the episode was basically just commenting on how amazing and wonderful Mako was and how, like, beautiful Tadara was making her look during the dance. Yeah. Uh, there was a small flashback to uh, when they were uh, a little younger, when Mako and Gaju, though it was honestly just the same scene that we had seen last week. Mm-hmm. It was just a little extended, but it basically came out to be the same thing. Yeah. Uh, end of the episode, uh, the two, the pair has basically completely wowed the audience, and now it is Gaju and Shizuku's turn. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And that was, I think, the weirdest <laughs> thing for me was that they specifically stated that, you know, so for the, for the final round, instead of dancing all as a group, the final round begins with each pair dancing a solo uh, right. for one minute. Um... And what got me was that, I know this happens in anime and it's fine, but it felt like they did a lot more moves than you would see, and there was a lot more commentary and conversation than could possibly occur in one minute. Right. Uh, And and also, like, they only really started to up the ante when they were halfway through their routine, so it meant that all of the conversations about the ways that Mako was, you know, blossoming and captivating everyone occurred within a 30-second period. Uh, which, yeah, you could, that could happen, but I imagine a lot of that would happen after the fact. But all of these were shown to be occurring simultaneously during the day. Right. <clears throat> like, so I feel like this series was trying to become the new Yuri on Ice a little bit without oh. without a lot more of the social meaning to it, or mm-hmm. the, uh, the social impact. Uh... And, but, you know, one of the things I will give Yuri on Ice uh, is that, you know, they actually did have the sense to kind of do that. You know, they kind of kept you in the moment of the routine. Like, there wasn't a lot of cutting away listening yeah. to other people talk about the routine. It was all kind of happening as it was going. Yeah. Uh, you know, they would cut in between, like... So it was, like, quick commentary there. Yeah. Uh, here, it's just, like, there. it's basically everybody reacting and commenting on it. Yeah, it really drags. It really drags. It wouldn't have dragged so much if they were actually commentating on what they were actually doing. It was just constant overreaction, though, to yeah. Mako blossoming and how much Tadara was making her look like how much Tadara was being a frame for her. Yeah. But I don't understand how Why? that's done. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. You know, you get some sense of it. Like, okay, he is allowing her to make more dramatic movements and he's like positioning her in a way that she's more visible to the judges than she would otherwise be if they had used their normal steps but a lot of that was implied and i'm not even sure if it's correct right yeah it's like and not only that but how does that make her blossom just so people can see her more is that all she needed to do like, and I don't know, it, it just, it didn't really feel like it synced up to what the expectation was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, I think it's, again, it's a major problem with this series is that they have this very in-depth sport that they don't spend enough time discussing. Yeah, exactly. And it's also really difficult for me to have any sense of 
what happened in their routine because every time they make a single movement, uh, they freeze frame it basically and have three different people comment on what that move symbolizes or represents or how they're reacting to it. Right. So because all you see is a series of quick moves and then extended like slow-mo and freeze frame of the pair, I have no concept of what the waltz even looks like to them. Right. Yeah, You, you exactly. just sort of see these, these close-up shots of them quickly moving their feet and then posing dramatically and like arching Mako's back and then uh, several minutes of people being like, oh, uh, and that's the whole episode. <laughs> and, like, honestly, I got the sense at some point, because I don't understand what this actually means, and because the series isn't doing enough, it just feels like that the audience at times is just sort of clapping at whatever they see. Like, there was one moment where it's just, like, there's just this this enormous, uh, this, like, enormous eruption of applause, and, like, somebody just shouts out, they're spinning now! Yay! <laughs> It's like, I just, like, it almost feels like this audience would just be impressed by anything. Because it's like, what does that mean that they're spinning? Well, I mean, they're impressed because Mako's blossoming, Matt. Oh, okay. And you know how I know she's blossoming? You know how I could tell? Because Uh, they told me that she's blossoming. Uh, But they also kept referring back to that painting that they were standing in front of, of the flowers. Yeah, it's like, it's like if you, you know, try and imagine... And I will go over this several times, so don't worry. That you're looking at a painting, but you know what a painting has? A frame. But you know what you look at when you look at a painting? You look at the painting, not the frame. But, and hold on to your hats, they, you know, Tadara is not just a frame. He's so good at being a frame, he makes the painting come out of the frame. Right. Because that's how good he is at right. being a frame. Like, that's that's the extent of the conversation we got there, like, from like, everybody. To, to which I have to respond, okay, but why, though? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to move away from this discussion, uh, discussion of blossoming and framing for just a moment. Okay. I had mentioned to you before that, we, that I had mentioned that this episode kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable. Um... So, uh, this uh, this is kind of due to the second flashback we got with Gaju and uh, Mako. Um, I had mentioned that there was something about it that I didn't like um, from last episode, and I think I kind of figured it out thanks to this episode. Um, I feel like they are trying to excuse Gaju's behavior and put everything on Mako. Mm-hmm. Like... I, I am not saying because like the whole the whole issue is that Mako wouldn't just tell Gaju what she wanted, yeah. And it's like okay, don't get me wrong, that is an issue. You know, couples do need to communicate. Like, I mean, they are brother and sister, but in this yeah, sense, they I are. Got it, I got it. But uh, like you know, they need to communicate with one another. So I understand how that's partially her own insecurity and her issue. Yeah, but it, it is saying, like, okay, Gaju was angry at her, and he was loud, and he yelled, but it was only because he wanted her to learn to be her own dancer and not just follow his lead. So he had good reasons. Right, but it's not really a good reason, because, you know, he's there screaming at her and shouting at her. Yeah, exactly. 
Like, how is she supposed to appropriately respond? Yeah, exactly. I you're, guess. Yeah, when when someone's yelling at you, you're you know he's like, you should trust me, and then you know be a creative, independent person. And she's you know like, who responds by saying like, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, or be like, okay, yeah, sure, okay, so I'll tell you what I want. No, you're gonna try and placate them and sort of, yeah. you know, shove it on. It's like, again, I'm not saying that's not what she should have done. Uh, like, you know, that would have been the right thing to do. But at the same time, I feel like the series is trying to, like, push a lot of this blame away from Gaju. Yeah. And that's what's really, con- it's basically trying to excuse the fact, because, you know, it's kind of, it kind of culminates with the fact that he is, you know, he's super pervy with Shizuku, you know, he kind of wants to constantly, like... You know, he's really excited by the fact that he gets to dance with this pretty girl. You know, he's already planning about how they're mar- how they're going to get married. You know, he loves her curves. You know, he- she's got, like, a real body as opposed to Mako. Like, and I mean, I guess you could almost take that as, you know, he's, he's like, he's so not... He's, like, he's trying to show how much he's over it, even though he's not. But, mm. like, but with all the leering that this series does... It kind of feels like, yeah, it does genuinely feel like they're trying to excuse a lot of Gaju's behavior. Which is unfortunate for several reasons, but, you know, the one that comes first to mind is, like, he's supposed to be a villain. Like, yeah. why are you trying to apologize for the villain? Like, he's less interesting now. Um, right. Like, I, I kind of liked the fact that you weren't that you weren't supposed to like Gaju before. Like, I thought that was something that the series was doing pretty well, was kind of making you root against Gaju. So, there's, I sort of have a follow-on to your stuff about, you know, Gaju and Mako. Um, right. At the end of the episode, uh, Marissa is commenting. Uh, it's, it's basically the final line. And she says, and I, I might be paraphrasing, but she says, like, Oh, I never thought Mako could shine like this. It must be thanks to her leader. Yeah, there's kind of that aspect, too. It's like, you're kind of taking away a lot of Mako's, like, ability. You're kind of undermining it by saying it's like, oh, well, it was the dude who did it. Yeah, he was such a good frame that she could blossom. So, like, even when, you know, I was kind of hoping that when we had a, a, you know, routine or a not routine, as they said, whatever their approach was to emphasize Mako, it'd say, like, oh, okay, Mako's a better dancer than Tadara. It's still, even when she attracts all the attention and everyone's focused on her, the real experts conclude that Tadara is just that good at supporting her. Right, exactly. It's like, so can she just not be, like, a great dancer? It's like, you can maybe comment, it's like, it was smart of him to get out of the way. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a problem with that, but you can't just... You can't give him all the credit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's kind of messed up. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty good uh, subtitle. Welcome to the ballroom. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, Speaking of messed up, do you want to talk about Dive? Yeah, it was a little messed up. Um, <laughs> probably not as, but anyway, yeah, so right. this is uh, Dive episode 9. It's pretty much a uh, Yoichi-centric episode. Uh, after he found out that he's gonna been selected for the Olympic team, uh, he gets approached to do a sports drink commercial, um, finding out, you know, okay, now people want to capitalize on his image. He has managed to maintain funding for MDC, so that plot element is done because he got into the Olympics, so MDC is going to continue existing. Um, but ultimately, Yoichi gets frustrated 
and he feels like he's just being used by other people, either for to sell sports drinks or to support the club or to you know back somebody else up in the Olympics. And he's really not sure why he's diving, and he can't do it for. He's not sure if he has his own reasons anymore. He right. skip he skips practice for a little while. He ends up coming back, but he kind of has the yips, and he can't dive with the same technique that he used to have. Um, so Asaki tells him that he needs to find his own goals, but he's not really sure what those are. Right. Um, so, uh, this my response to this episode, this was an interesting idea. Why Yoichi? Right. Um, like, I, I kind of get what they're going for, because, you know, he has been on the rails all his life. You know, he has never, you know, he, you know, there was kind of that scene that we found out where, you know, his father talked him into going back to the diving club because, you know, everybody depended on him. And, you know, he's finally at a point where, like, he can, you know, he's finally at a point where he's not sure. I don't understand how he got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's like, I don't understand why this commercial is bothering him so much. Um, I'm not sure why, this, like, after this training camp, he's suddenly just completely broken and doesn't know why. He, it, like, I felt like a lot of this could have been explained if we had just had a freaking like, training camp episode. Yeah, well, and that was the thing, though, is it sounded like the training camp was a really positive experience for him. It was right. just getting back and finding out that he was not the top selection for the Olympic team, but he was the backup. Right. And so, if he wasn't number one, why why were they sending him there just to support someone else? Um, why can't why can't I have my own goal? Like, yeah, I I also noticed it was kind of last week we commented that it felt like there was a missing episode about the training camp in China. Right. This week it felt like there was a missing episode because Okitsu was just back. Yeah, like, he was just back diving again. Yeah, he just like, showed up, and he's like, what? What are you talking about? Of course I'm here. He's like, well, after you guys left, I figured I should come back, you know, and, uh, like, I'm doing some new training, and it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. And you're like, <laughs> well, how the heck did you get from quitting diving and going home to be with your family to you coming back and doing ballet, and you just look at us with a straight face and go, yeah, right. I mean, like, like it's, it's good, it's fun. Like I, I did, like also, like did the experience with Yoichi hanging out with Okitsu suddenly make him realize that he wanted friends, right. like that he kind of wanted to live that life? Uh, like did did know. Okitsu hanging out with all of them like suddenly make him realize, yeah, these are the people I want to hang out with now. Like I want to learn to dive with them. Like I, I don't know. Like I kind of feel like that this is because this is based off of a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like that the series, like. Because it seemed like it was probably a pretty accurate representation of the plot beats of the original novel. Uh, but I think we've finally gotten to a point where they're trying to kind of rush to the end. And so they're having to cut out parts of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. I want to believe that the beats were there in the original story, but now, <laughs> but they've had to take them out. Because it really just suddenly is feeling really disjointed. Yeah, I agree. Um... One thing I will say is I got a kick out of uh out of the corporate uh honchos at the beginning of the episode basically turning everything Yoichi was saying into a positive. Yeah. <laughs> uh that was probably the highlight of the episode for me where Yoichi is brazenly uh like not cooperating and they're like, 
oh, you'll sell this great bad boy image, like exactly. a high schooler. You're so hip. Or, isn't he hip? <laughs> isn't he hip? Isn't he hip, sir? Right? Right? This isn't going to fall through, right? But, or like, oh, you know, he's so, you know, he speaks so freely. What, like, how fun, how refreshing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, I got kind of a, I got kind of a kick out of how they were constantly trying to find a way to spin the situation. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, again, that wasn't... Again, though, the problem with that is it made them too likable for me, to be honest. Right. So... Like, cause you're... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna say, because you're supposed to be sympathizing with Yoichi in this moment, where, you know, it's like, you know, these corporate men, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to dilute the pure sport of diving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, he has to follow their rules, you know, he kind of wants to break through and not have to work for the man. But it's like, I don't know, I don't really see what the issue is here, you gotta promote yourself. Yeah. Like, that's kind of part of it. I get part of that, you know, he's a high schooler, but... Yeah, uh, one last question before we move on. Um, sure. Do you know whether or not Tomo is sad? Because <laughs> people keep saying he is, but whenever he talks, there's no reason to believe that he is? You know, there are a lot of people out there who are really sad who try and mask their depression. You know, they do a really great job of it. I just don't even know what Tomo is sad about, though. What, Like, what is he I mean, supposed pr- to be presu- sad about? Presumably it's that he thought he was going to be on the Olympic squad because he went to China. And then he wasn't. Right. Which makes I, sense, I... but he's never alluded to it. It's the only allusion we've gotten is his friends being like, Look how sad Tomo is. And then Tomo's like, I'm going to go practice diving. <laughs> I'm going to go pra- practice diving. I'm going to send my bro some flowers. Exactly. Where's Yoichi? Hey, Yoichi. <laughs> good to see you. And they're like, he's so broken. He's so broken. <laughs> don't, you see the, don't you see the pain in his eyes? And he's like, I sure love practice. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's like, again, I get it. They could have done something interesting with that. But I see what you're saying. Like, they are not conveying... The level of sadness that we are supposed to be seeing from Tomo. Yeah, or communicating, you know, is it just that he was left off the roster? That's what I have to assume, but I have no way of knowing. Um, right, exactly. And it really, you know, the show, at, at one point it really felt like it was centered on Tomo. Now it, it feels like it's trying to simultaneously be centered on Tomo and Okitsu and Yoichi. And yeah. just jump around from episode to episode. Which, again, might just follow how the novel is structured, where they start having more first-person from other characters. Um, But I don't know if it works here with such a limited time frame. Yeah, kind of. Like, they really... It it does feel like that they needed a little bit more time to sort of stretch out, like, a lot of these character interactions. Like, this may have needed to be, like, a 26-episode series. But then again, it may have just... What is this, the 90s? We do 24 (laughs) now. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, speaking of the 90s, do you want to move on to Fastest Finger first, which reminds us of, of a series from the 90s? Nah, that was a bad transition. I'm going to do one. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of the number 24, uh, 703X, Fastest Finger First, also has numbers in it. Hey! Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yes, I do. Thanks, Matt. Um... <laughs> Right, so fastest finger first episode nine uh this uh, picks up with koshiyama and the mystery cross-dresser person uh teaming up for their round at the regular meet turns out this person's name is akira 
uh, and he is actually a middle schooler at Sekigawara. Um, he so once they get paired off, essentially the the majority of the folk the focus of the episode is on the competition itself and showing that Akira, his real strength, you know, he's he's good at the the quiz material itself, but his real strength is having sort of a, a meta view of the rules and how right. to manipulate the rules to his advantage. So he'll do things like, because two people have to buzz in before the question stops, he'll buzz in after the first syllable and then wait for them to continue reading so he can guarantee he selects the first answer. And then that sets up other people who end up disqualifying themselves by trying to copy his strategy. And he does other things like using the buzzers to uh, buzz each buzzer simultaneously, like buzzing the buzzers against themselves, and which, t- again, technically isn't against the rules. But after the round, even though he passes, his team captain tells him that he was operating outside the uh, etiquette of quiz bowl and he was acting improperly <coughs> and tells him to go home. Uh, but then he cries... And everyone feels bad for him, even though he clearly doesn't mean it, and they're crocodile tears, so he ends up staying around uh, anyway. Uh, at, the end of, at the end of the episode, they figure out, they, they sort of put together, because Akira has been dropping hints, that he was the cross-dresser at the arcade. Um, and the, the Buzo characters are kind of confused and shocked by that, um, but more than anything, they are livid that uh, Akira sees Quiz Bowl as just another game, and they decide he must be defeated. Right. Um, so I think this episode was better than expected. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think the real strength of this episode is that I do kind of like Akira's playstyle, to be honest. Me too. Um, I thought it was a lot more interesting, like, because it's funny, right? Like... So the whole point of Quiz Bowl is that it's supposed to be... You're supposed to be answering trivia questions, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, they... Like, all of these Quiz Bowl players have developed this sort of metagame around... Like, okay, we have to figure out when we need to, when's the time to buzz in and when's, yeah. like, a safe time to buzz in and whatnot. For What's us the to decision get answer. point? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Akira has only just taken that a step further. Mm-hmm. Like, Akira's already trying to kind of evolve the game and figure out ways in which it's possible. Like, for example, he sort of fakes somebody out into buzzing first. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting to me about that is that, like, they don't have that level of self-awareness to see, like, yeah, that's kind of the sort of same sort of thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, as it is. Yeah, he's like, just taking it to a more extreme. Right. Um, like, I, I don't know if the series is going to have the self-awareness to delve into that further because like you said you know they you know they're upset that akira just sees quiz bowl as another game but like at the same time you know he's not wrong Mm -hmm. i don't think right Uh, yeah it it, it hasn't been clear that you know so they're they are upset that akira sees it as just a game it's not clear what they see it as you know do, do they see it as a lifestyle do they see it as a vocational calling do they see it as a like a discipline to master oneself, you know, all of those are possible. And if they actually explained it, I might buy it. But as as much as they've explained anything, they've just said quiz bowl is something we love to do. Uh, right. <laughs> which okay, <laughs> it can be a game that you love to do. But uh, the problem with Akira is that it's a game that he doesn't love. 
to do right. on its own merits, I guess. Um, okay. I think what's interesting about this, though, is that I don't think we've actually heard any commentary from Sasajima about this, who has yeah. been sort of the source of wisdom yeah. for the series. So it'll be interesting to see whether or, like, and I think that's sort of the key point there, is whether or not Sasajima is for or against it. Because mm-hmm. it is kind of odd that Sasajima has been sort of the, uh, like, the moral compass for the Like, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he no, is right. sort of... Yeah. yeah, he's supposed to be sort of the character that always explains, like, you know, kind of almost like the quiz bowl prophet, like, mm-hmm. that you're supposed to derive meaning from. Mm-hmm. So... It'll be interesting to see whether or not he's actually for or against Akira's playstyle. Yeah. I hope he's for it and that he adopts some of the same tricks. And that, w- that would be fun. I do have to say that, like we alluded to at the beginning of this, it was less bad than... We- I mean, we enjoyed ourselves watching it. We did a Simon Watch of this one. And we enjoyed ourselves, but no small part of that was because the, the episode did not completely focus on... What? He's a cross-dresser? That's so weird. Um... It was, they were admittedly a little taken aback by that, which, I mean, is understandable. If you had to make the character cross-dresser for them to be like, whoa, that was the same person? I never would have expected that. Like, that's not a, that's not a crazy reaction. Uh, I liked the fact, though, that that wasn't the thing that upset them about him. Right, exactly. Like, it was just, it felt more like an afterthought to them. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're a crossdresser? Oh, huh, how about that? Anyway, he's polluting, he's diluting our game with his, like, weird play style. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, I'm with you on that. It, like, it wasn't as gross of a reaction as I was expecting. Yep. Yeah, so, and I mean, I think that kind of also put us a little bit more at ease continuing to watch the series as well. It's kind of, it's helped repaint the series in a bit more of a positive light for us mm-hmm. uh just because it's like now because it, that's not really lingering over our heads anymore yeah um but yeah no i'm actually kind of interested to see where this is going to go admittedly though i i'm kind of dreading them trying to like I, i'm kind of dreading the lack of self-awareness in seeing uh, like in seeing that what they're doing is just metagaming as well like, I don't know. This series could go either way. It's kind of hinging on how it resolves. Yep, we shall see. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we continue to see Clean Freak Aoyama-kun. Clean Freak. <laughs> it doesn't even deserve to have its name pronounced correctly. Do you remember when this show beforehand, like the initial releases, said it was going to be called Cleanliness Boy Aoyama-kun? I do remember that, I kind of wish it still was. I mean, how f- much funnier would this show be if you had these characters going around saying, oh, he's just a cleanliness boy. Like, (laughs) whoa, is that guy another cleanliness boy too? Um, I think it's such a, it's such a dumb show that it might, it might make things better if... Uh, Just slightly. I, I don't know if that could save it. Yeah. Uh, should I go into the plot summary this time? Yeah. There is actually a bit more of a plot. Uh, uh, so, this is the training camp episode. Uh, the coach has decided that, thanks to her husbando, or her anime husbando, rather, that uh, since they had a training camp in the most recent episode of their series, uh, it was time for them to go out and have a training camp. Uh, and so they do. They go to one of Zizen's uh, father's properties with the help of his little sister, Karen. 
And while they're there, they ha go through a bunch of things. They have, uh, they play soccer on the beach, and what we discover is Mocha's actually quite good at soccer, and she's so good that even Aoyama wants to jump in and play for a little bit with her, because he's impressed. Uh, and then it's a series of wacky, zany events, like going to, like, a horror house for reasons. Uh, you you want to repronounce that so it's clear oh, what you're saying? Horror! Like, a ghost house! A haunted. A ghost Let's just say haunted. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough um also the big reveal in this episode is that they're not actually on the beach they're inside a giant dome for reasons and that's yeah. just i don't know anyway yeah. the the episode ends they're a lot better at soccer now that sure that, that's the point i guess yeah i yeah is that the point i don't know the yeah, so Zizen's family is clearly the head of a Yakuza clan, and so right. that's why they have infinite money. Um, the Ostensibly, they built this entire training dome uh, in order to support the soccer team to give them the perfect training camp environment, and they sealed it off from the outside so that Aoyama would be willing to play. So they have antibacterial sand on the beach, whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, um, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of curious things that occur randomly. Like, oh, we're gonna go swimming to make Zizen's feet stronger. I'm not sure that's what swimming does. Uh, and then. Karen decides that Zizen needs more training at swimming, so she isolates waves under Zizen with her technology so that right. he can swim on a wave. <laughs> yeah, I I don't... Matt, what is the show? I just, I don't understand it at it, this point. Like, it, I... Like, it, is that supposed to be a joke? Like, I don't get what the joke well, you is know, it's a joke about those hilarious characters we know so well uh zizen and karen you know the ones who we care about and are invested yeah. in like it's like why is the fact that she's turning up the wave pool to make zizen like okay so she's torturing zizen fine and but zizen enjoys but zizen enjoys it anyway and it's like, yeah. okay, I guess the gag is supposed to be that he's enjoying her punishment as it is, but why is it a punishment? Like, she's clearly doing something to try and help him out, and he appreciates it. Laugh, please? Right. Yeah, like, or, I, or same thing with, like, why, you know, okay, Goto is suddenly uh, amazing at soccer and better than all the boys because when she started creeping on Aoyama, she got her own soccer ball so she could practice, and she practiced every day, even though there's been no indication of this at any point up till now, but trust us, guys, she practiced every day, and now she's really good, um, but she plays with a dirty style that Aoyama doesn't appreciate, um, because she draws fouls, and, right. you know, at the end of that, what do we do with it? It's not like, is she gonna play on the team? No, she just sort of can play soccer so how about that yeah, there's a bit of a uh there, there's a bit of a what a girl playing soccer yeah like no. better than the boys there's kind of that element to it as well mm -hmm. like like that's kind of a little gross too like it, yeah i would say aggressively boring is the word yeah well, there's that too 
<laughs> it's just, it's a boring joke, too. Not only is it kind of lame, but it's kind of boring. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. Yeah, like, oh, or or the hilarious gag where they go in a haunted house and it's very scary, but you know what Aoyama does? He doesn't get scared. He just cleans the haunted house. Oh, but Zizen is scared, but the girls aren't the ones who were scared. Yeah, girls aren't scared, but Zizen is. What a weirdo. Look at Aoyama cleaning. Laugh, please. Yeah, kind of. Like, I just... This show has no real structure. It feels like it's just coming up with dumb gags. Yeah. And then just sort of... It's like, it's just throwing out whatever dumb gag comes to its head. Because, like, why are they even in a haunted house? Because that's what you do on a training camp? Like, because I guess they're trying to go for, like, the the end days of summer where you're kind of having fun sort of feel. Like, that, that common trope in anime. But it's so clearly manufactured. Right. That's the... Is that the joke? That it's manufactured and it's not a real haunted house? The show is confusing and stupid. Like, Like they have an old abandoned hospital inside a training dome that they built that same week. Right? And everyone knows. Like, that's the thing. Everyone knows that it was a constructed environment, and then they're like, ooh, spooky haunted house. You're like. But you you have to know there's it was built the same time. And I mean, I okay, I'm gonna just throw this out there as well. Like, I mean, it's not that much different from like when you're out like trick or treating as a kid and you see like and you know people put out like or you know you're like you know it's Halloween time and you go to like a haunted house or something like that. You know it's constructed, but you know you still well, get a little spooked out anyway. Yeah, because you, you right, can't resist right. it. Right. But there, but there's something to be say, said about, like, why is there an abandoned hospital in this place? Like, they would have had to specifically construct it yeah. with the intention of them going to this haunted hospital. Like, this haunted abandoned hospital. Yeah, I mean... But why? Like, yeah. th- what does that have to do with the training if this dome was built for the specific intent of their training? I don't know. Maybe we're overthinking this series too much. Oh, we're definitely overthinking it. <laughs> But the problem, but it's not funny, is the problem, and that's really all it needs to do yeah. is set up a joke and then have an unexpected twist on the joke. So the Th- one, that's how the humor one, works. Uh, the one funny thing that I found out just by virtue of reading um, the Anime News Network episode review, right, uh, was that apparently in the credits for Soccer Boyfriend, the anime that Coach Miwo watches, uh, right. The, uh, the Zizen Corporation is on, like, the production committee. Right. So, I thought it was kind of funny that, like, okay, Zizen has its hands in everything, and it just totally dominates the economy, and, like, it even made the same anime that they're watching to get them inspired to do this thing. Right. And then when I say it out loud, it's not that funny. It's just sort of <laughs> a note. Yeah, sort of like, kind of. Yeah, they sure did do that. Right. Um, so, anyway, I'm sick of talking about this. Do you want to move on to Big Windup? Okay, so Big Windup episode 22 uh, pretty much covers the bottom of the eighth inning. Um, Abe has decided that, you know, the way for them to win is by emphasizing the uh, Mahashi's rising fastball as a strikeout pitch. Um, he manages to get people to look at the the fastball he gets some strikeouts when people are expecting curveballs um unfortunately when abe tries to anticipate 
their strategy that they he figures they're going to be looking for fastballs because he keeps throwing them. He starts to incorporate curveballs, but they're still waiting on the curveballs, and they manage uh, to get several hits in a row. Um, ultimately, Tose is able to take the lead and pull up 4-3. So going into the ninth inning, um, uh, Nishiura needs to re at least get one run uh, to hold on and play through the end of the game. Right. Um, so this was, I guess, kind of an interesting episode. Uh, again, you know, there's never really been a bad episode of Big Windup. I, yeah. This episode was mainly just about... Uh, this is kind of adding on to the pressure for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they uh, Tose managed to actually pull ahead now at the very bottom of the game. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, again, it's kind of, it's just, it's just raising the stakes at this point because we've got the rain, we've got the threat of Mihashi's exhaustion, we've got me, uh, we've got Mihashi also starting to hesitate now because, you know, he's not, he doesn't want to make, he doesn't want Abe to get hit, and he's willing to almost sacrifice the game just to mm. make sure that Abe is safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, it, it's just sort of... It's just everything is starting to add up now, and we're kind of reaching a breaking point. And now they're on, like, you know, they're on the final inning. We're not even sure if uh, if uh, uh, Tajima is going to make it up to the plate to the plate to bat because you know he's their kind of ace hitter. And even if he does, he has been failing all game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're, they've built up this this kind of final inning quite a bit over the course of this entire series. Yeah. Yeah, so it will be interesting to see if, if they can, you know, you know what what exactly they'll be able to pull together when they're down, um, because they haven't actually been behind in this game yet, uh, right? And that that's an interesting thing too. Is like only at the very end did Tose pull ahead, um, but yeah, I it, it's 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 hard sometimes to describe these episodes because what makes one episode of Big Windup good is usually what makes most episodes of Big Windup good. Right. Is that it's really detailed about the strategy and the back and forth between the coaches and between the catcher versus the batter and how Mahashi reacts to it. And that's all still there. You know? Right. <laughs> like, it, it just... But it's kind of done... It, like, all of this is going on and it's sort of building up all of, the t- all of this tension in a way that you don't even realize is kind of happening. Like, it just, it feels like it, like, this whole Tose pulling ahead thing, it almost feels like it didn't, like, it just sort of came out of nowhere. Even though the entire game has been building up to them figuring out Mihashi's pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it almost feels like, like, it just sort of didn't, like, it didn't, it just sort of, like, came out of nowhere, almost. Well, I, um, But I, not, I, like, out of nowhere. That's the impression that the series wants you to have, but not how it actually was built up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they do a good job of communicating on the Tose side of how they were learning about Mihashi's pitches and how they were waiting on certain things, and finally, over-observing, they were able to catch the trends and catch where their opportunities were. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would just say because, like, it's so much of it is just dialogue back and forth that you just... It's like, when you actually get into the meat of the game, because, you know, they've, like, Nishiura has been ahead for most of the game, as you said, or at least tied with them. So, you know, there's kind of always been this, uh, this sort of security in their, in your mind that, you know, they weren't actually going to pull ahead. You know, Nishiura was able to stay ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But it's only now, at this moment, at the very end of the game, that you realize they could actually lose this. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's mainly what has made this game work up until now. Like, it, it really does a great job of pulling you along for the ride. I agree. And I'm along, and I look forward to seeing that, uh, that ri- <laughs> to riding out the end of this game. Indeed, um, which I think is only three more episodes. Yeah. And so we've, uh, I think we've ridden out the end of this episode, so Matt, uh, you're the host, so you now thank me for my time. I will not do that, but I will imply that you are a great secondary host. Oh. Thanks, primary host. <laughs> See you next week. Later. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.